The following program and views expressed are those of the hosts and guests and do not reflect the opinions of WPTF or Curtis Media Group. Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Heart Health Radio, Heart Health Radio, oh, 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 hearthealthradio.com, Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor. This is Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network. Had a lot of things set up that we could talk about but you know the phone's there yeah let's uh, let's make it ring 919-860-9783 fire up the phones absolutely dr weefald is uh here to take your phone calls uh there is um there's some interesting things that we've seen in the news unc health the unc chapel hill location uh you know uh Ranked in the top 20 uh, medical centers in the country, usually. But the the headline this week The headline is, Medicare is about to take away their funding because of horrible conditions in patient care. I mean, you read this headline. Yeah. And you think, oh my gosh, what are they, they have rats running in the kitchen and, you know, cockroaches in the operating room. No, 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 no. And you think, because they talked about, you know, severe deficiencies in patient safety and care. And, you know, it baffles my mind when you finally hear what the violations were, okay? They weren't cockroaches in the operating room. It wasn't like, you know, they hadn't washed the patient's, you know, uh, bed sheets for six years. It was one thing, well, two things, um, and both have to do with this COVID mania that we see. Sure. And so when... A vendor, so say somebody who sells knee replacements, has to come into the hospital. Right. They have this vendor. Um, it's almost like a photo photo booth you see at the at the carnival. You know. Yeah, yeah. They have to go in this thing, and they have to have documented all their past history, whether they've had the rubella vaccine, but most importantly to Medicare is whether they've had their COVID vaccines and two boosters. Yeah. Yeah. And so with the boosters being new, apparently some of, some of them got through into the hospital as uh, certified Yeah, when they hadn't had their booster. Right. And so Medicare finds out about this and declares that it is a serious violation that could lead to patient deaths, and they want to take away their Medicare funding, or at least threaten to take away all of their Medicare funding because they let some vendors in who didn't have a booster shot. Now, the other thing was that in the emergency room, they actually took out a tape measure and measured the distance between the chairs in the emergency room. Yeah. And they were a couple of inches off. A couple of inches. No way. Yeah. Um, no. I, I'm sorry. Um, no. I, you know, this is ridiculous with a capital R. Yeah. And all they really had to say was, okay, straighten out the vendors, (laughs) uh, get your chairs a couple inches different, and we'll see you next year. Yeah. Instead, in the media, the news media, and all over the internet, I've seen this article six times. Right. 
And right. today I finally Googled and said, what were the actual violations? And that's what they were. And, and so if you're out there and you've seen this and, and your impression was that there's something seriously wrong at UNC Chapel Hill, I am going to disabuse you of that concept. Yeah. And what will happen is they'll write a report yeah. saying what they did to change their violations and Medicare will say, okay, <laughs> and there won't be an article in no, the no, newspapers no, no. There won't be, or no. on the internet that You're say, right. hey, by the way, it's all okay. You don't have to worry about UNC losing their Medicare funding. But you can you imagine that there's a lawyer somewhere sitting in the office going, all right, item three, we moved the chairs. Yeah. We did that. Well, and can you imagine how much money this costs UNC? Sure. Sure. Because surely they had to get some lawyers involved. Yes. And surely they had to have some research into, you know, the the risks of losing their, you know, Medicare funding, which, of course, would shut the hospital down. Right. So uh, it's another thing that bothers me about the federal government. And this happened to me, sort of. Um, I get records requests every day, probably six or seven you know, for someone who's going to another doctor or, in mm-hmm. this case, someone moved. Yeah. And so what I do is print the records out and I give them to, well, I give them to my staff people and then they fax them to the number and then they take that fax confirmation sheet, right? put it with the records, sure. and then scan that back into the patient's record. Well, apparently, about two years ago, somebody requested records. And then they didn't get them, or so they said they didn't get them, so they requested them again. And I was able to prove I'd sent them both times. Well, the patient was so mad that the doctor she's going to now somewhere in Arizona had said, oh, we never sent the records, that she filed a complaint with Medicare. Mm. And I got a, a notice from the Office of Medicare Civil Rights. Civil Rights saying that I had violated this patient's civil rights by not sending the records, and I could be uh, liable for a million-dollar fine. And I suppose lose my Medicare. So, I mean, I'm quaking in my boots, and I'm, you know, my staff is, I, I got to get them and find out what happened, and I yeah. I had the two batches showing that I'd sent them. Yeah. And so I'm thinking, well, I better call a lawyer. And, of course, that was thousands of dollars. And the lawyer prepared something for me to document what I'd done and what I'd, you know, uh, had, could, could prove that I'd sent the records. And yeah. that I sent them again. And what I did the third time I sent them was I called them. And I said, now, did you look at your fax machine? Right. We right. don't have them. I said, could you look one more time? <laughs> Oh, someone had thrown them away. Didn't know what they were. Seriously. So I was able to document all that stuff. I and oh, and I could not communicate by mail. I could not communicate by FedEx. I had really? to communicate to this person in the Office of Civil Rights by secure email. Okay, so okay. secure email yeah. is a type of email that's uh, it's it's uh, encrypted on both sides. Right. And if you want to know. The cheapest secure email that HIPAA is HIPAA qualified is called Hushmail, H-U-S-H, yeah. mail. Yeah. It's kind of nice, I guess. I don't know. I, but it cost me a couple hundred bucks. So I gathered all these things, <laughs> scanned them, put them into Hushmail, sent her the Hushmail. Didn't hear anything for a couple months. 
and because I'd forgotten to check my hush mail. You know, uh, that's yeah. not something yeah. I have on my desktop. Yeah. So I checked my hush mail, and she had actually responded within a week. Right. And it was like a sentence, oh, okay, you're fine. No yeah. worries. Never mind. Never mind. Wow. And so I guess the, the, the reason why I bring all this up is because the, I guess the federal government has to really make it seem like you've done something really, really wrong. Yeah. And it has to be uh, just overblown. Yeah. So, less it is. Don't worry about UNC, Chapel Hill. Right. They are, they are doing a great job. They are not putting patients at risk for death right. by what they've done. Very good. In my opinion. I guess I better say that so I don't get in trouble with uh, the hires up. Well, I, I don't know who's higher up. I don't, I don't know. You, you mentioned the word Medicare, mm-hmm. um, and there's Medicare, and there's Medicare Advantage. Yeah, I think people need to know the difference because there's some things coming out now yeah. um, that are eh, maybe saying that Medicare Advantage is not providing the medicines that we need to give our Medicare patients right. for cost reasons. And now the Medicare Advantage plans are not coming out on top when it when it comes to the in the studies about you know patient outcomes, especially right. for diabetic control. Yeah. So many of you out there don't know the difference. Regular Medicare is paid for directly by the federal government. Right. And it is a insurance plan that you pay into your whole working life. Yeah. And then at age 65, you are enrolled in Medicare. And there are two parts, Medicare A, which is hospitals, yeah, and Medicare B, which is outpatient. Now, Medicare B is 80% covered. So if your doctor charges 100 bucks, yeah, Medicare will pay. Or if the doctor charges whatever, and Medicare says, we're paying 100 bucks for this. Yeah. The doctor can charge 3,000 bucks. And Medicare has a fee schedule. So they'll pay 80 bucks. The 20 bucks is you're on the hook for that. So there became what's called gap coverage, yeah. uh, Medicare supplement plans. Because it's United never Healthcare. 20 bucks. It's right. never 20 bucks. United Healthcare, uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield, and those sure. are called medic, um, uh, supplement plans. And they're kind of expensive, actually. I mean, I never knew this until I'm approaching 65, but they're a couple hundred bucks a month, and yeah. some of them even more. Right. And then you have a Medicare D plan which is the prescription plan. And some of the supplements are combined with Med-D. So you still have to pay your Medicare premium and you have to pay for this Medicare supplement plan. So it can be relatively expensive. But sure. the nice thing about it is zero out-of-pocket. Okay? okay. So in the beginning of January, <clears throat> you have 135 or maybe $200 deductible, I can't remember, from Medicare. you got to pay yeah. that. Yeah, okay. Well, your supplement will pay that. So, under George W. Bush, they came up with this thing called private Medicare or Medicare Advantage. Right. And the idea was that Blue Cross Blue Shield would become a Medicare um, uh, provider. And how does that work? Medicare pays them X amount of dollars. So, let's just say $10,000 for the whole year to cover everything. Okay. And then they would administer a Medicare Advantage plan that they would pay the physicians and the hospitals out of. Okay. Now, it all depends on how sick the patients are 
in terms of how much money they get from Medicare. And I found out that these Advantage plans really love me because mm. my patients are sicker. And the way that I know they really love me is they request my notes all the time so that when Medicare um, audits them, they can yeah. say, look at this. You need to pay 15000 for this patient yeah, because yeah. he or she is so much sicker. Here's the problem with Medicare Advantage. With Medicare, your doctor can order any test, any time, mm-hmm. for any reason, mm-hmm. and there's no prior authorization. For Blue Cross Blue Shield commercial patients, I mean, you've got to get permission for everything. Yeah. Now, for Medicare Advantage plans, it's the same thing. So last year, year before, I was 70% regular Medicare. Now I am 70%, 60% Advantage plans. I've had to hire somebody just to do these prior authorizations for stress tests and wow. echocardiogram. They never get turned down because yes. my yep. patients need them and I can prove it. But it's just a waste of money. Well, the other problem with the Medicare Advantage plan is that they are really strict about the medicines that they will let their enrollees have. Right. And two of the best medicines, class of medicines for diabetics, right. are now under scrutiny because the Advantage plans are not approving them. Uh, so these are medicines like Jardiance for yeah. diabetes. It's it's a what we call a glucose transport uh, inhibitor. And the other one is Trulicity, which is a um, GLP-1 injection that combined, right. I found amazing results. And now what's happened is independent people are looking. Medicare Advantage versus regular Medicare with a Part D prescription supplement. Who's doing better? And it looks like the regular Medicare patients are doing better. Because they have greater access to these life-saving um, and revolutionary drugs. Right. So why are people, more people getting into Medicare Advantage? And I've asked my patients. And they get these phone calls that say, Med- you know, you don't yeah. want to answer your call if you don't know who it is, right? It says Medicare when, yeah. on their thing. And these are brokers who get paid to steer you away from a supplement into an advantage plan. And these insurance companies are making money hand over fist. Now, we don't have a lot of time. What I would recommend that the listeners out there do is they're not asking the right question. Hmm. Because I have patients who are in Medicare Advantage and they only have to pay $50 a month. Yeah. And it's like, this is great. Then they come to my office and their copay is 80 bucks. Ah. And they say they never told me that. They just said it was going to be so much cheaper. Remember one thing. You're going to pay in the end no matter what. Yeah. So the Medicare Advantage plans are better for people who are healthy. So if you only go to the doctor once a year and you have a Medicare plan, wow. Medicare Advantage makes sense because you're going to pay less up front. Um, and then on the end side, when you go to the doctor, you're going to have to pay copays, And you're going to be restricted in terms of the drugs you're allowed to have. But if you are sick, and I mean you go to the doctor once a month, yeah. and you have to have stents, and you've had surgery, yeah, it's really tough when you have a Medicare Advantage plan because you're going to be paying every time you go beyond just your monthly premium. Right. So talk to these brokers. And also, the Medicare Advantage plans restrict the doctors you can see just like any other HMO. Medicare, the great thing about it is, you can go to any doctor, 
who accepts Medicare without a referral. Right. And let me tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to be 65 years old in two years. I'm getting Medicare. I'm going to take my regular Medicare, and I'm going to get a plan. And I'm just going to say it because I think it's the best plan out there. And that's AARP Medicare Supplement with Part D. It's 300 bucks a month on top of what I'll be paying for my Medicare uh, premium. But listen, everything's covered right. and no surprises. None. Okay. So right. think about it and ask if your doctor's in the plan for an Advantage plan, what your co-pays are going to be and what medicines are covered. Because if your medicines aren't covered and you switch to this plan, sure, they're gone. Right. right. Gone. All right. We're going to talk about the nursing shortage hitting some hospitals hard. Um, we're going to talk about uh, two stories dealing with Viagra or Viagra-related drugs. Yep. And if you're taking, if you order off the internet some honey that is supposed to treat ED, hang on, you're you're just not going to believe this story. Also, Sue in Apex, we're getting to you next on Heart Health Radio. This is Heart Health Radio and the Heart Health Radio Network. Sue in Apex has been very, very patient. Hi, Sue. How are you today? Oh, doing great. Um, Good. What's up? Much. Y'all are pretty much beating my drum about Medicare Advantage, and I just wanted to give a little um, episode that I witnessed personally. Yes. Um, I have relatives in my extended family, husband and wife. I'm, they both had COVID, right. regretfully. Um, but are doing better. They're in rehab. Good. Great. And I was visiting the husband the first day he came in. Yeah. Um, and I was sitting there, and the do- um, the administrator, or one of the administrators, it wasn't a doctor, came in, and um, maybe she was like the admissions director, and asked him, is it okay if she stays here while I talk to you? And he said, sure. And so um, she said, well, we, um, you know, welcome to the facility, so forth. Just want to let you know your insurance. He has the Medicare supplement. Um, your insurance, um, your discharge date will be determined by us and your doctors. Yes. But your wife's discharge date will be determined by her insurance company. She right. has Medicare Advantage. Well, I'm right. sorry how that happened. But it's oh, right. I have seen this. And... But, I mean, it literally, and the daughter later told us that the day her mother was admitted, they went ahead and gave her the discharge date. Yeah. I mean, and it, it, was, it, I was like, how do they know? I mean, how do they know how fast? How do you know how quick someone's going to get it well? <laughs> and, um, of course, the same thing you said about no pre, no, no um, premium per month, but, boy, co-pays, even for every therapy session, 40 to bucks. Yeah. Um, wow. It was just crazy. Yeah, I, and, and what people are not these brokers are paid to steer you into these cheap cheap upfront plans mm-hmm. so they yeah. say hey i got a plan for you full medicare full prescriptions for 50 bucks a month and yeah. they go what i'm paying 250 bucks a month and they don't say we're going to kick you out of the hospital in two days they don't say <laughs> your doctor's not in the plan they don't say oh all these great medicines that are keeping your diabetes under control we don't cover them and they don't say, and if you go see a specialist, it's $80 up front. Right. You know? And uh, yeah, I, yeah, she had to pay it's a terrible. one time when I Yeah, and I think that the... Yeah, it's crazy, and, you know, I could, I feel like I'm going to throw things at the TV when these movie stars or ex-football players right. get on and advertise, and they'll say, oh, it'll increase your 
Social Security. Right. Because of course, they don't take, I guess, the and, Part B premium out anymore. Right. And you know what that is, the Social Security thing that kills me? Hmm. Yeah. Is that maybe five zip codes in the United States of America qualify for that. And yeah. basically, the, it's a bait and switch. Okay, I'm going to call, give my zip code, and see if I can have the insurance company add money to my Social Security because you're in a high-risk, low-doctor environment, okay? Yeah. And it's like five five Social Security—I mean, five uh, zip codes in the whole United States of America. But yet they get you in there and they say, hey, you want to save money on this? $50 a month. And then, you know, they don't, they don't volunteer the restrictions. And— Patients aren't savvy enough to know, and I can't tell you. See, patients. I, I really think that's one of the biggest ripoffs the government's ever perpetrated. I, yeah. The Democrats and Republicans should be ashamed of themselves. Well, it was the Republicans. It were the Republicans yeah. who did this under George W. Bush, and I'm gonna tell you that it's it was under lobbying from the major insurance companies. They're making much more money off of Medicare Advantage plans than they are off their traditional commercial insurance plans for this reason wow. and when, whenever the government will will pay you whatever you want you're gonna you're gonna do whatever you can to get that money yeah, and if it means crazy. if it means you know I, I, I about dropped my mouth about dropped open because i never heard it put that way that the insurance company will determine but i mean she said it flat out it, because it's true it's crazy well thank you so much thanks for all well listen that's a great call and and listen god bless you and your family Thank, Thank you, sir. Sue. They, they will kick you. The, the literally the phraseology is, you will "I'm go sorry, home. your insurance has run out." Right, and right. you need to leave. Yep. Wow. I've had several people who were told they were well enough to leave under a Medicare Advantage plan. Wow. Got home and immediately got sicker and went to a different hospital. Right. And got admitted. Now, I have no idea that it was the same day discharge admission. Maybe their insurance company won't pay for it. Who knows what the story is? Okay. And uh, there's just got to be truth in advertising as a part of this so that people don't think that they're going to pay 50 bucks a month and get the same coverage right. that they've had when they were paying $200 a month. Now, the other, the other bait and switch thing is dental benefits. Yeah. Uh, good luck getting your dentures out of that. You're not going to. Uh, good luck in getting your your the treatment that you need. I had. Do you have dental insurance? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Is yours any good? Yeah, it's all right. Yeah, yeah. mine was terrible. Yeah. I, it wouldn't pay for anything that I went to the dentist for. All right. We're going to talk with uh, Rose Hoban of North Carolina Health News next on Heart Health Radio. Now back to heart health. Have a question for Dr. Weefald? Call 919-860-9783. This is Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network. And as we do every week at this time, Rose Hoban from North Carolina Health News.org. Hi, Rose. What's going on? Hey, no, you know something? We usually ask you that. Because uh, you got your, you know, your finger on the pulse of uh, the medical, uh, what would you call it? This is the, not, not so much. Uh, it's healthcare. Healthcare. It's a, yeah, right, it's, policy. It's throughout the state. Mm-hmm. Hey, did you did you hear about that UNC business? You know, threatening to lose their Medicare and what it really was about. We talked about that earlier. Oh, it, it was uh, the UNC Wilson Hospital. 
that's actually Wilson is Duke. This is actually UNC Chapel Hill. And I just didn't know whether you all had heard about it, but they were going to take, they were threatening to take away UNC Chapel Hill's Medicare because of um, letting some um, uh, vendors, some drug reps, into the hospital who couldn't prove that they had their um, uh, vaccines, and also because the chairs were too close together in the emergency room. So we've been talking about that, and I just didn't know whether you had heard about it too. The Wilson one was something different, but this was but the Wilson one was a couple of deaths. This right. Was, I mean, this you know, is crazy. I, the, the thing at the thing at UNC the the thing at UNC Chapel Hill. It was I think they they put in a you know both hot both so you get a complaint. So the way that this works is that someone makes a complaint. So yeah. um, you know physical spacing of patients and visitors in the emergency room and stuff like that, uh, uh, someone will come home and they'll put in a complaint. And because the hospitals receive Medicare funding, um, it's required that someone go out and investigate the complaint. Um, What's interesting is that the the folks who monitor anything that's Medicare, it's the federal federal agency. It's the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, otherwise known as CMS. They don't say CMMS, just just one M. Uh-huh. <laughs> and um, what, what, and you know, that's, that's a whole nother story. But um, what ends up happening is that someone from the State Department of Health and Human Services essentially is deputized by CMS go out and perform the inspection. They don't have somebody come from Washington. It's local folks who come and do the inspection. And they'll ding them. And so what ends up happening is you, uh, you know, you get this, uh, 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 what is it called? It's a, I just said it's a 2567 is the form. They get and, a nasty um, gram. Uh, they get a nasty gram. Right. And then, but, but what, and it's sort of, it's two columns and they sort of, talk about what the problems are on the left side, and then they submit it to the hospital, and the hospital has to come up with a plan of correction on the right side. Right. And then uh, and then the CMS folks, you know, review it, and they'll, they'll do, like, a follow-up survey. So, um, you know, that's that sort of, to me, like, that one is kind of, it's not, it's not a, huge problem the unc yeah. wilson one it is it's it's a it's a or the wilson medical center that one that's called immediate jeopardy so that was a much more a death uh, it was a duke life point hospital yeah. and that was a much more um uh serious issue yeah there was uh someone who died at, who had a fall after being uh after being sedated someone else died after his heart monitor was disconnected. And the third one was a suicidal patient who locked himself in a bathroom. Yeah. Um, but he, he did not die. And so that's kind of like, these are yeah, some more but, but serious see, problems. When I see the headlines and they don't go right. into the details, it seems equivalent, you see. And that's what right. I'm trying to say. I think it's ridiculous. But listen, I tell me about the free lunch programs. I love this article that Congress passed a bill with provisions to save the pandemic era universal free school lunches. How does that work? I think it's great, and they're going to well, keep well, they're going to keep doing yeah. it. Or and how does this work? How do they get a free lunch? And I read somewhere that certain people have to drive somewhere to get meals. Tell me the whole thing. So 
essentially, uh, we have to go back to the beginning of the pandemic when kids were not going to school. And there is a free and reduced lunch program. It's the reduced cost lunch program. They call it free and reduced. And it's for kids who come from low-income families. And so they can go to school and get meals. And Mm -hmm. uh, depending on, uh, like, some schools are, like, 95% or above. You know, these are low schools in low-income communities. So, like, 95% or more of the kids are on free and reduced lunch. And so they just give it to everybody, right? So you don't just have Johnny sitting over there, you know, and everybody else is getting a free meal. So they just give it to everybody when it's at that level. Right. The, um, the feds basically, in that first COVID relief act, Congress basically made free lunch for all kids because there was a worry that, like, parents and you know, it, it just made it it made it really hard for kids to have consistent food. So they, that a lot of schools. We wrote stories back in 2020 about mm-hmm. the school, the lunch ladies essentially were coming in and making these to go meals, and they had central drop off points where people could come. So that's that great. has been going on since 2020 as part of COVID response. And now the kids are back at school. They're they're still having a much higher free and reduced lunch uh, accessibility. But because of the, the way that Congress wrote the law, it was about to expire. So um, it, um, what happened was Congress, the bipartisan group, they passed this Keep Kids Fed Act. And what it does is it, it's not universal free meals for everyone, but it does expand uh uh, eligibility and increases the reimbursement rate for schools so that um, you know more kids can get like these grab and go lunches and a lot of times it's almost like they'll take like almost like a food truck and they'll go someplace central or they might go and do it in the parking lot of the of the actual school and one of the big issues is that you know people think about poverty as being an urban issue but actually rates of poverty in rural parts of the country right. are are higher and so, um, so one of the challenges in this program is, you know, it's, it's harder, it might be harder for rural students to get to these meal distribution sites. And that is a, that is a, a, a challenge. Well, you and know, so- I, I, I'm interested in this because there is nothing more important for people's health and especially children's health than getting adequate food. And so mm-hmm. it shocked me about how many kids there are in this country who are what we call food insecure. Yeah. And and thank God at schools now we can get, you know, at least I hope nutritional meals. <laughs> Although I look back when I was in elementary school, yeah. ketchup was a vegetable. <laughs> yeah, but you yeah, know, yeah. Well, I mean I mean that, so that I, was one of Michelle Obama's big things, right? Like to improve the nutrition of school lunches. Yeah. And how did, let me ask you though. Beat up for that, but you know. Would it, do they have to actually have? Uh, uh, I don't know. Do they? Uh, we had to pay. At, yes. We had to pay our thirty-five cents. Yeah. At the end right. of the line. So if you're getting a free <laughs> lunch, would that make you feel bad because the, you know they got you know, they, oh you go ahead and you don't then they know that you well, know you're on this free lunch why program. They do that thing when like you know there's like some schools that have and I forget if the threshold. Um, is 90 or 95 percent of the children are eligible. But, you know, when it gets to a certain thre- 
threshold, then they just give it to everybody. So you don't kind of like have, you know, some kids and some kids and like, oh, look, look at Johnny. Like, you know, he's getting the free lunch. Ooh, yeah. well, That's what I'm saying. I'd hate I'd hate for that to happen. You know, and I, I, see, well, for me, I, I would I would get there after I had my food and everything and I'd say I don't have any money. And they asked me why. Says, "Well, that guy back there stole it from me." I would get, I would get shaken down in the line for lunch. These guys would say, 50 cents," and I say, "I don't have any money." No. And they, they'd hit me in my pocket, and they say, "I hear the jangling," you know. And I'd have to give them my lunch money. Wow. And then I get down, and these little old ladies were would understand, and they'd let me go through with my with well, my lunch. There you go, because they, they know, you know. And I, I, I mean, I'll say this like the. The, there is, there's always the part of the Food and Nutrition Service, um, which runs SNAP, um, yes. the supplemental, otherwise known as food stamps. Um, they they do um, this food, the summer food service program. Matter of fact, that photograph that we used at the top of the at the top of the story that's yeah. a couple years old. That came from a summer food program. Um, that's I think it was down in Fayetteville. Yeah. And, um, you know, so it's, it's just for that reason, like there's, you know, there's all, the, all that kind of stuff. I mean, the, the joke in my family is that um, they used to bring in the lunches to, to the classroom. And um, every time my, it was uh, after I was born and my older brother was sort of stressed out because like all the attention was on me. Mm-hmm. And uh, he would barf every time the kids would walk in with the, with the, with the milk tray. When the milk boys came in, my brother would barf. <laughs> All right, guys. We learn. We learn a lot from both of you. Well, I I asked NPTF for free lunch here, <laughs> and what did they say? No, you know, they said no. We say no. And, no, there's you know. no such thing as a free lunch once you get past elementary school. Absolutely. Yep. Thank you, Rose. You All take right, care. Joe, See you next week. week. NorthCarolinaHealthNews.org is the website. All right. So nursing shortages. There's a. Uh, Hospital in Rocky Mount that had to close their had ICU. To close their ICU, and I am really concerned about this right. uh, for two reasons. Number one, obviously, when ICUs close, the quality of care and the possibility of the quality of care is evaporating. Right. Um, but also, what is this doing to the costs of medical care all over? Because what's happened is that with nurses leaving the profession because the stress of COVID over the last two years, but also fewer nurses entering the uh, profession. Right. um, We've had these companies, and we've talked about this before, who are travel nurse companies. And what does that mean? That means that you agree when you leave your job, say, in Raleigh, Mm-hmm. You can go to a hospital that needs nurses in Washington State, and they will let your license cross over. Right. And then you can work in the ICU there for three times as much money as they were paying their staff nurses. Wow. That didn't last very long because what happened? Staff nurses learned that the person in the travel nurse program <laughs> was making three times as much money as them. Yeah. So they quit and went into travel nursing. And so now they've had to match the salaries. And wow. personnel salaries are some of, if not the biggest cost for a hospital. Yeah. And if you've got, you know, 100 nurses uh, in the IC rotations and you're suddenly paying all of them three times as much as you were paying them two years ago. And believe me, 
they deserve it. I mean, sure. if sure. you've ever been in an ICU and seen how hard these nurses work, mm-hmm. and not just the nurses, the technical people, everybody, I, I just, my heart goes out to them for uh, the honor and sacrifice that their job entails. Yeah. But what's, what's going to happen uh, when the nurses on the floors, um, you know, the, the step-down units and the regular medical floors are also in shortage? And so I am just really worried about the overall increase in cost of health care because of this. So we need to make more nurses. We need to have larger nursing schools. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, the nursing school in my county mm-hmm. flunks more than half of their class. Now, why right. is that? Right. These are really, really smart kids. And I know some, for example, who would I would love to be nurses uh, in in wherever I was practicing. Right. And they flunked out. And why? I mean, I couldn't answer some of the questions on their uh, exams. And I'm not so sure if it's because, you know, their nursing programs are in, are two years. And if you flunk out, you got to repeat that year. Right. So I don't know. I'm not accusing. But I'm saying we've got to get more nurses into the pipeline. And, you know, an ICU nurse, you just can't go straight into the ICU usually. You oh, have right. to have some experience first, and it takes a while to uh, train that uh, right. person to do that. So I'm uh, I'm really nervous and really worried about um, our nursing shortage uh, because it's real yeah. and it's um, worrisome. All right. We're going to talk about monkeypox. And cardiac psychiatry. Yes. Cardiac psychiatry. We have cardiac oncology. Yeah. And we have cardiac psychology and psychiatry. And let me tell you, I think it's really important. And in cardiology, um, we'll talk more about this the um, week. Um, Yeah. The unsung problem among heart patients is depression. And it is a, a chemical reaction in the brain to finding out that you're mortal. So I can't tell you the number of people who come to me and they want to be told they're okay. You know, they're short of breath. Right. They have chest discomfort. And the first thing they tell me is, I'm sure that it's acid reflux, okay? Because the esophagus sits next to the heart. Yeah. And I'm telling you, it can feel the same way. A heart attack can feel like acid reflux. Acid reflux can feel like a heart attack. Right. And when I tell them their stress test was very positive and they have to have a heart catheterization because the medicines aren't working to control their symptoms, um, it sets a cycle of worry that can turn into a severe depression. Mm -hmm. And that's often... Uh, ignored and not ignored for uh, a negative reason, but ignored because we spend so much time and energy on the heart as a standalone structure. Yeah. And we all know that when you're confronted with a possible mortal illness, you're going to have a reaction in your brain. And so one of the things that I have tried to do is address this. Here's the problem. Psychiatrists are hard to come by. Getting somebody into a psychiatrist today who has Medicare yeah. is darn nigh impossible. Really? And getting somebody who is on Medicare, and, and I would say a large uh, number of my patients, um, they're not food insecure, they're financially insecure. They're yeah. on a fixed income. Yeah. 
And so a psychologist now runs about $125 an hour. So how are you going to do that? Yeah. How are you going to get these people making $700 a month, barely scraping on their Social Security, barely mm-hmm. scraping by, to spend a quarter of that on a psychologist? So we as cardiologists have to take up that role mm-hmm. because there's nobody else. Right. And so I try to weave into the office visit that I have going over their beta blockers and their dilators. Are you on your aspirin and, and your mm-hmm. plavix after you've had the stent? Mm-hmm. You know, let me take a look at all your medicines. And I can tell by looking at you that you're really not, not happy. Yeah. And then the tears flow and the worries flow. I've got grandkids. I want them to have a grandmom or right. a granddad growing up. And this is a case where we probably have to go to medicines early and where we wouldn't necessarily have to because we can't get the, the psychi- psychiatric care and the psychology care that these patients need. And let me tell you, these medicines work. Don't listen to anybody who tells you that the SSRIs, Prozac and, and Zoloft, don't work. They work. They mm-hmm. have to be carefully administered. They have to be up titrated. And what does that mean? You start a low dose to make sure there are no side effects. You have to see him back and mm-hmm. you have to up the dose and then you have to add. I've got a lady who was in a car wreck, um, took off half her scalp, mm-hmm. and in the stress of that had a heart attack and now is on the mend. But let me tell you, she's just a wreck in terms of her emotions and her depression. And we finally, I think after two or three months of working on her meds, have gotten her to the point where she can function. Right. And part of what we have to do now as cardiologists, in, especially in the areas where I practice, is take over that role of psychologists and psychiatrists to a point. Right. Because we're not trained as well as they are. Now in Wake County, uh, Cary, North Raleigh, where you know people can afford that kind of care, I yeah. think that uh, it needs to be utilized much more frequently. Because when you're depressed, your stress levels, the adrenaline, the cortisol, that can make your heart organically bad by causing more heart attacks and causing arrhythmias. We've got to work on these two things. And if you're a heart patient and you're depressed, get help. Tell your cardiologist. Tell them that you need help with the situation because that's one of our new roles. And this is Heart Health Radio. We're going to talk about... uh I think it's a kind of a, well, it would be an amusing story, except it was almost fatal. Somebody picked up a dollar off the floor. Oh, my God. And and it turned out to be a bad, bad a thing. A bad don't, thing. Don't pick up dollars from the floor. This is what I'm Let telling you. Let sleeping dollars lie. This is, this is coming up next. Also, Monkey Box. This is Heart Health Radio. You know you make me wanna kick my heels up and down, throw my hands up and This is Heart Health Radio and the Heart Health Radio Network. Let's talk about this lady who picked up a dollar bill. Yeah, she was in McDonald's and you know they have a dollar menu. Did you know that? You know what's on the dollar <laughs> menu that I love? Are you serious? Yes. You're really asking me if I know whether McDonald's <laughs> has a dollar bill. And menu. you know what the best thing on the dollar menu what's is the Mick Chicken. Okay. That is the unsung hero. <laughs> that and the fish sandwich. So, 
you know, you're in the bathroom <laughs> and you're hungry still and you see a dollar on the floor. That's a fish sandwich on the floor. That's a, um, well, maybe not a fish sandwich, but that's a McChicken for yeah. sure. Yeah, okay. So you pick it up. Next thing you know, you're passed out and you're getting Narcan in the ambulance. Wow. Because of fentanyl. Now, they are carrying fentanyl across the border in money, dollar bills. Right. It looks like they can hide it. And if there's no sniffing, yeah, they roll it up in money. Oh. So if they empty their pockets, they have dollar bills and not fentanyl. Okay. And, you know, they're carrying so much fentanyl. Every every week you hear about a story about a, uh, an illegal immigrant crossing the Rio Grande. Right. Caught. And how many are we not catching? You know, we probably catch 10% of them less. Right. With enough fentanyl, it'll kill half the United States. And so where is this all going? I mean, we have so much fentanyl in this country now because it's so cheap to produce and so easy to manufacture. Right. But anyway, don't touch money, especially it's dollar bills. Because, you know, obviously they're not going to put, you know, a couple of grams of fentanyl in $100 bills. Right. Um, but it's those dollar the- bills on the ground. And it's so sad because we can't get a McChicken in the McDonald's bathroom by picking up a no, dollar bill no, anymore. I mean, that's leave sh- the money there. Leave, leave the money there. There. But here's the but, thing. But where else she is was, it at? She where else had is it? she had symptoms within minutes. Yeah. Fentanyl is extremely potent. So for example, how do we do cardiac anesthesia now? It's with two drugs. Yeah. Uh well, we've been doing it for a long time. Versed, which is like Valium, but very quick acting, very quick to go away. Mm-hmm. Um, and puts you down. I mean, it it shuts off part of your brain. And then fentanyl is a fantastic anesthetic because it's really quick. Uh, you can adjust it. Um, and obviously, if you're on a ventilator, you don't have to worry about stopping breathing. Um, but mm. now it's everywhere. And I'm not sure how safe we can be if, for example, uh, you're at a bus station and you sit down in a chair mm-hmm. and you put your hand on the uh, the rest um, thing, right. right, and next thing you know, you know you've absorbed a ton of fentanyl. And the other thing that scares me is terrorists. I mean, if you can dissolve the fentanyl and then use it as an aerosol and spray inside of a uh, uh, subway. Sure. Car. You sure. kill everybody there in a very short period of time. Because remember, once you stop breathing, the clock is ticking. Right. And if you haven't, you know, taken a breath in a couple of minutes, your brain is going to start to die and not recover. And so we really have to do something about this. And I'm not sure why we're not doing something about it. Um, I know that we, we as physicians are still under the gun. Right. Um, being told that we are the cause of opioid overdoses. And since we've cut back on opioid prescriptions, the deaths have risen tremendously, and it's fentanyl. All right. We're going to talk about some happier subjects coming up. And take your phone calls next. Heart Health Radio. Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Heart Health Radio, Heart Health Radio, oh, 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 HeartHealthRadio.com, Heart Health Radio. 
Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor. This is Heart Health Radio and the Heart Health Radio Network. Dr. Franklin Weefald is here. And if you want to talk to him, uh, telephone number is 919-860-9783. Always call between noon and 2 on a Saturday. A couple of stories I talked about talking about, but we didn't talk about. A Viagra-related drug reduces obesity. Yeah. A Johns Hopkins study. Well, I am very excited about the research that's being done into the class of medicines that include Viagra um, because they are, believe it or not, they affect a a critical pathway in a number of, of physiologic things that go on in our body. It was originally, Viagra was originally developed for cardiac angina, so... They thought that if you inhibited this enzyme, PDE9 or PDE4, that's just the name of it, phosphodiesterase, that's an enzyme involved in all sorts of things that we do, that it would dilate your coronary artery and get better blood flow in. So it didn't really work all that well. And it turned out it didn't, you know, the arteries, the coronaries are very big. And it's harder to get them to dilate through this mechanism. But when they went back and they did the side effects, they didn't ask for this (laughs) side effect. But the men who were in this trial, they said, is there anything else you want to tell us? And they said, yeah, my manhood came back. And so then uh, they decided to repurpose the drug, did the studies. Yeah. It was excellent for that. Yeah. Well, then they began to think this is such an essential enzyme they looked into uh, what's called pulmonary hypertension. That's when the arteries in your lungs tighten up and you get high blood pressures in the lungs and your right, right heart, right. which pumps to the lungs, starts to fail. And you get a low oxygen level. So it's repurposed for that. Yeah. And now we're looking at heart failure in general. Mm-hmm. And it looks like the way that it vasodilates the body in certain ways, it's the smaller arteries, We've been trying to vasodilate the big arteries um, to get the heart to pump against less pressure and then pump better. Well, it looks like it's helping there. And I think they're going to have to find, you know, little variations on these drugs so that they inhibit certain types of enzymes. PDE9, for example, is what's really helping with obesity. And I'm excited. Um, And I'm going to take more Viagra. I just had my (laughs) pill. It's the third one today. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. One. Now, let me tell you, a lot of people don't tell you about the side effects of Viagra. And Viagra is not dangerous for heart patients. I can remember okay. when it first came out how everybody, if you have a heart problem, you can't take it. And that is not true. Okay. It's called the interactions with certain medications that are also vasodilators, so nitrates. Uh, if you're on isosorbide or if you have a nitroglycerin patch, you cannot take Viagra right. because it'll drop your blood pressure. I mean, it'll, it, it can be very serious. The other one that people don't realize a lot because their doctors don't realize it a lot is a medicine for BPH, okay, benign prostatic hypertrophy. And that's Tamsulosin, and that is a medicine. It's an alpha blocker. And I have a friend who was on Tamsulosin so he could urinate well. And he was put on another 
medicine for BPH, which is called Tadalafil yeah. or Cialis, yeah. and it's approved. So Viagra will help you urinate better, so will Tadalafil. But Tadalafil, in combination with Tamsulosin, this guy couldn't get out of bed. Oh, okay? my. For about seven hours, he was sweating. His heart was pounding. He didn't know what was going on. And I, when he came to tell me about the story, I said, are you also on Tamsulosin? Yeah, that's why. So talk to your doctor. It's safe if you've got a heart problem. You just got to make sure you don't mix it with other heart medications. This is why you don't pick up the phone and call the Canadian yeah. doctor who's going to yeah. send you Viagra mm-hmm. without knowing the rest yeah. of the medicines well, you're here's, taking. Here's the funny thing I want to tell people. Another reason not to do that hmm. is 50 bucks for 30 pills. Okay. Okay. It's Rex is one of them. What's the other one called? I don't know. one 800 um, yeah. yeah. Anyway, <laughs> through good RX. Yeah. And I'm telling you, if you're not a, if you don't have good RX uh, on your um, cell phone, you need to get it because so many medications that the, for example, the uh, Medicare Advantage plans won't cover. Yeah. Or you're you're on a Medicare Advantage plan, your copay's a hundred bucks. Yeah. You can get them for nothing, and these are generic medications. So, for example, if you want thirty pills. Of 100 milligrams Viagra. I mean, that's enough to get you through. I don't know how many times you have sex a week, but that's 30 sessions for um, 100 milligrams, which is the, the highest dose. Yeah. And it's $18 at Walmart. Really? 18 bucks. Now, it used to be $5 at Harris Teeter. <laughs> you know what it is? It's to Dalafil, which is what I take for my BPH. I don't take it for the other problem, but... Yeah, <laughs> my nose is growing. Anyway, um, it is. I, I take it for my acne. Yeah, is two, what I do. I take it for yeah, my it acne works. <laughs> and, the, and the glaucoma. You know, two thousand one hundred and fifty dollars now at Harris Teeter when it used to be five bucks. They got out of the Good RX program. Yeah, I used to tell people Harris Teeter had the best prices for Good, and they did. Now it's basically Walmart, Walgreens, CVS, not so much, but you can get Tadalafil, which is daily. Uh, 10 milligrams, 30 mm-hmm. pills. You can get that for 20 bucks. Don't go to Rex. Um, that's one of the websites. Um, I can't remember what the other one is. Where you can you know, get Viagra. And people are, are kind of ashamed, I guess. They don't want to go into the doctor's office and ask for it. Right. Go into the doctor's office and ask for it. This is 2022. Right. Okay? Right. This is not 1950 uh, where you have to hide, you know, your sexuality. And... You can get it cheap. It, right. It's not covered by insurance. Um, I don't know why, but both Tadalafil and uh, Sildenafil, which is the generic Viagra, are available very inexpensively. Now, you, it's not through insurance. you got to whip out your credit card or your $20 bill that is not covered with fentanyl right. uh, and pay for your uh, uh, medications. But it, it's it's good deal. Good RX. I can't... Um, promoted enough. I'm not Good. being, this is not a commercial endorsement. Sure. It's a great thing for my patients. And not only if you have insurance, because often your co-pays. Even, I, I've seen uh, generic co-pays of 50 bucks for lisinopril, 5, 10 milligram. Right. Craziness. That's you too much. You can often buy your medications for less than your copay, And that's uh, GoodRx. Good. Get the app on your phone and the, it, your coupon shows up on your phone and you just show it to the to the um, pharmacist. And many different places have different 
um, uh, prices. So Walmart's cheaper for one, CVS is cheaper for the other. Uh, <laughs> nothing's cheap anymore at Harris Teeter. Right. I, okay, I showed someone the coupon for uh, uh, 30, 100 milligram, 30 pills of 100 milligrams each of Sildenafil or Viagra at Walmart was 18 bucks. At Harris Teeter, it was 2000 $142. Good So golly. there's a variability. and But I, I promise you it's really a great a great app. All right. Some article that you sent me showed that people are buying honey for ED. Yeah. And they're buying honey as a cure for erectile dysfunction. Yeah, I don't know how that works. And they found out that the honey companies... We're putting Viagra and Cialis oh, yeah, and in this. the honey. In the honey. Which is insane to me. Yeah. I mean, in other words, yes, okay, it might help you with that issue, yeah. but they're helping you by giving you a, a medicine drug. that could kill you. Right. If you're on the wrong thing. Uh, if you're on Tamsulosin and you take this uh, honey infested or. Viagra-infested honey. Right. Now, they're trying to say that, that the bees, you know, they're very prolific. Oh, please. Uh, you know, maybe it's a natural no. compound in bees. No. no. But anyway, just be very careful. The, if you get some honey that says your honey is going to love you, yeah. um, don't take it. All right. Marie in Raleigh, welcome to the show. How you doing, Marie? I'm doing okay. How about you? Good. What's up? Good to hear from you again, sweetheart. Hey, um... You thought you got rid of me, didn't you? Two and a half years, Doctor Weefall. No, we he he every week tells me before we start the show. Marie says, "I wonder where Marie is. I yeah. wonder if she's all right." Let me tell you, and people who don't know this, Marie, when was that? We I had a um, a booth at the Ham and Yam Festival, which is a great thing in Johnston County. It's yeah. in May. I think it's in May. Anyway, we I had a little booth, and Marie and I are standing there, and someone come up and called, "Hi, Mrs. Weefald, how are you today?" <laughs> <laughs> and because we were carrying on like an old married couple. Uh, that's I great. I tell you what, Doctor Weefald, I miss that too. Well, I, I know you can't drive all the way up to Johnson. You are a mess talking about that Viagra. Yeah. Every morning. Yeah. <laughs> so, Maria, are you doing all right these days? How you uh, feeling? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh. Just like he was talking about, I have had a lot of depression, mm. weakness, but I'm beginning to uh, come along. Dr. Weefall had given me medication when I was born to him, yes, and um, I'm still on that, and that really helped. And but uh, it has Dr. Weefall of all I have had done with my heart, I have never gone through what I have gone through in the last four months. Well, I know that a little while ago you told us you had to have some more work. What's going on now? Oh, I, I don't have anything else. I mean, I got a tooth I've got to get fixed. Uh-huh. But, uh, no, I'm uh, I'm doing good. And I won't ask you, but I don't even know the name of this drug, but Bill's oncologist sent him up the Duke to get a shot uh-huh. that could help him keep him from getting the virus. So he went up there. He didn't tell him that it was a experimental thing. He went up there, and they gave him about three, diff- four different pages that it could do to you. And uh, 
So he didn't. He didn't want to take that shot. Okay. Are you familiar with something? Do you know the name? I don't even know the name. Murray, what was the medicine to prevent? Uh, uh, to help him from uh, getting the uh, virus. The virus. It was. It was a. A vaccine. Oh, you're talking about a vaccine, or what? Yes. Did he have COVID and wanted to get the? No, I, I, he just with his uh, the way you know he has cancer and heart failure. And oh, I know what you're talking about. Um, yeah, th- it's the same thing you had, Dave. It's uh, the a infusion. monoclonal antibody. Yeah, and what they're testing is whether and uh, can I tell what your husband has? He has chronic yeah. lymphocytic leukemia. And that's a type of speaking up a little bit. Okay, Okay. yes, chronic lymphocytic leukemia, which is a long act. I mean, you can keep alive with that for a long time. It's just a slow uh, leukemia. And what they're testing is whether giving the monoclonal antibodies at a certain interval will keep them from getting COVID. And now the 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 uh, people with this type of cancer uh, leukemia are more susceptible. Mm-hmm. because their immune systems aren't great, to getting uh, the Omicron variant and getting really sick with it. In right. fact, almost all the people who have died uh, from Omicron have some form of cancer or serious long-term chronic illness with suppressed immune system. So they're trying to give the medication. I can't remember the name. What, 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 I, can't, I can't remember. Okay. I'm sorry. It's I never a learned new it. infusion that right. they give at weight med. Um, I'll look it up in just a second. But um, so... Let me tell you, uh, I think it's safe. Uh, it's not been shown to cause a lot of bad side effects. They are going to scare you in any type of study that you're in because they want to be safe in, in, in their own selves and not get sued if there is some nasty side effect. But there haven't been uh, a significant number of people who've had a problem with it. And so I think that if your doctor, uh, his doctor thinks he can do well with it, mm-hmm. then uh, I would well, go ahead and do it. Well, my problem is it hasn't been approved. Uh, right. And as it's as a as new as one. As there as is as one as that is approved uh-huh. um, that uh, Dave got when he got it. Right. Um, and uh, I think that, um, how can I say this? I don't think he's being a guinea pig. Um these types of uh, monoclonal antibodies um, are really uh, well studied. And mm-hmm. I take one. Yeah, I get an injection every two weeks for my cholesterol, and mm-hmm. that's called Rapatha. And so a monoclonal antibody is a human protein. And the only difference is a couple of areas that latch on to different things. So the one I have looks just like any old monoclonal antibody under the electron microscope. Mm-hmm. But the shape at the end binds to a cholesterol-producing protein in my blood, whereas the one that they would give Bill um, would bind to Omicron when it got into his system. So I think that um, he, he, if he wants to get it, I think that it's as safe as any other um, type of monoclonal antibody like the one I take. If it's all that good. Why is it not approved? Because Marie, they're doing the studies. Is it is it possible, Marie, that it's approved for some uses? Like I got 
COVID, and then I got the monoclonal antibodies. Right, but that's that one is right? FDA. Well, that's no, yeah, approved. That's FDA approved. authorized, and it's called emergency use authorization because they haven't had a chance to go through all the steps. Right. Um, but I think that uh, they need to get more data so that the FDA will say it's safe. And well. I, you know, I'm not. Um, I'm not as cautious, I guess, as some people would think they should be, but um, I really think that uh, it's it's going to be safe and effective because all the other ones were too. The problem with the monoclonal infusions for COVID in the beginning are they don't work now because Omicron has changed so much, right? And they're not giving those, so they have to develop more. Well. Oh, here it is. Bebtelovimab. That's it. That's the guy. B-E-B-T-E-L-O-V-I-M-A-B. And the one that that Bill is getting looked at is the same one with a couple of very uh, minor changes. And um, I think it'll work. Marie, thank you very much. Good luck, baby. Let me know. Call me. You have my cell phone. Call me and let me know how he's doing. All right. This is Heart Health Radio, the Heart Health Radio Network. Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefald. This is Heart Health Radio and the Heart Health Radio Network. Is it time to worry about hunky, uh, monkey box? No. No. Um, everybody is talking about 300 cases of monkeypox and uh, then uh, an outbreak in Provostown, uh, Massachusetts. Yeah. And I, I want people to understand I am not, uh, how they say, how you say homophobic. No, but no, you're not. How many, what percentage of the cases of monkeypox in this country and in Britain mm-hmm. are among homosexual men or bisexual men? And the answer is 90 nine percent so what does that mean that means that we have to be honest and that monkeypox is a problem and a potential problem if you are a gay man or a bisexual man having unprotected sex that doesn't mean we don't like gay people or bisexual people we are saying warning and be um careful but to make this a public health emergency for everyone. Right. So one of the hospitals sent me a big monkeypox balloon warning about this. These are the signs and symptoms. And I, I texted her back and said, why aren't you saying that 99% of the cases are in gay or, or bisexual men? And she said specifically they were told by the federal government not to say that because it would appear to be discriminatory. Now, I think just the opposite, okay? Right. If, if a gay man doesn't hear that this is spreading, main, almost all uh, cases that are among gay men are bisexual men, then mm-hmm. he might not be as aware and as careful. Um, because I tell you, if, if you hear that this is a public emergency that everybody has to consider getting a vaccine for, um, you're going to think 300 cases? I mean, what? I don't believe this. Well, how about this? I, I could go I could go ahead and get a vaccine yeah. that really should be used for somebody younger and, um, you know, less married. 
Uh-huh. Let's put it that way. I, I think that we should be open and honest about every situation. Right. Okay. Uh, and and illness, and we and, care. We care about the people who are getting monkeypox. Yeah. We care that it's in a specific population, but knowing that it's in that population means that people in that group need to be aware. And I don't necessarily need to. Apparently, you can't get monkeypox from shaking somebody's hand. No, it's got to be more intense. It's uh, pretty intense. Okay. Yeah. All right. So you mentioned about 23 and me. Yeah. Because we were talking about a story that says some of us have part Neanderthal. Uh no, we are all all everybody part Neanderthal. Yeah. Really? Way back when. Okay. Uh they uh, did a little hanky panky together. This yeah. is hundreds of thousands of years ago. Sure. And um now uh, we have Neanderthal genes, Neanderthal blood, Neanderthal genes, yeah. um, some of us more than others. Okay. And um, if you are uh, more Neanderthal, you, there are certain drugs <laughs> that will not work with you or will work too well because okay. of this thing called cytochrome P450 and other enzymes that are found in the liver. Your liver is an amazing organ. It yeah. takes all sorts of toxins and detoxifies them. It takes your medications, and some of them, they're called prodrugs. So, for example, clopidogrel or Plavix, yeah. essential after stents. 75% of people don't necessarily metabolize that well enough to get to the active compound. So they've made other drugs that are active compounds. But anyway, if you are one of these Neanderthal types with these types of genes, you may not, for example, warfarin may not work for you. It may go up, it may go down. Yeah. It's because of the way your liver is. Okay. And um, so I, let me tell you, I really think that we should be getting genetically tested. We'll talk about it yeah. in a little bit. I want to talk more about this because I'm really a fan of this. I know a lot of people are definitely not fans of genetic testing. But we'll talk. All right. We'll talk more about that coming up. Also, your phone calls on Heart Health Radio. Welcome to Heart Health with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefald. Call us with your health questions at 919-860-9783. Heart Health Radio and the Heart Health Radio Network. Dr. Franklin Weefald here. And the number is 919-860-9783. So I'm supposed to go to 23andMe or some other yeah. service? and There's, get there's others. Why? Ancestry.com. Why should but I 23 do 23andMe, I think, has taken the bull by the horns in terms of coming together and looking at what we can do with this genetic information. Now, how do they, what is 23andMe? Do they, they don't sequence every single gene in your body. They find out uh, about certain patterns of your genes that can lead to what's called a DNA fingerprint. Okay. So you have a unique set of gene combinations that make you uh, one in an eight billion. Yeah. Nobody else has your DNA, including, believe it or not, identical twins. They found differences in the DNA between identical twins. Oh. Very minor. Okay. But anyway, um, what I like about it 
is that if you sign up and pay a little extra, you can get a lot of health reports. I think the, the biggest one for women, and you can actually have your doctor test this as too, mm-hmm. called the BRAC genes. And they, uh, if you have them, either one or two, you are much more susceptible to getting breast cancer and ovarian cancer, very highly susceptible. And I think that's important to know. Um, I can't uh, tell you what to do with that information. You have to share it with your physician. But if you look at, you know, Angela Jolie, mm-hmm. she had a family history of breast cancer. She had both genes, and she got uh, mastectomies and oophorectomies at the right time to help prevent her cancer from coming on. But I found out that I had something called familial hypercholesterolemia, and that means that I was lacking one gene to keep my cholesterol down. And mm. sure enough, I took a statin and couldn't get it down enough. And then I went on something called Repatha plus the statin, which is a monoclonal antibody to lower your cholesterol in a unique way. And it worked. Yeah. Um, the other thing I like about it um, is that when you're in this data bank, uh, people can find you. Um, I've had cousins that I didn't know about. Oh. Um, who can find me. Um, I guess the biggest scare that a lot of my friends have uh, voiced is that they're afraid someday the federal government yep. um, could get it and somehow tag you mm-hmm. um, for whatever reason. For me, the biggest worry would be, for example, if you want life insurance and you're on 23andMe. Yes. Could, for example, Northwest Mutual sneakily get a hold of that, find out you have the BRAC gene and turn you down on that basis. Sure. Now they can turn you down uh, if you have really high blood pressure, uh, if you're a drug addict, um, but they take your blood. And now I wonder if they're going to start checking for these things. And I hope not. Um, Let me give you an example. Uh, I'm looking at this thing online. They can, they can give you a genetic risk for Parkinson's disease. Mm-hmm. They can give you a genetic risk for certain kind of weird heart conditions like amyloidosis. But alpha-1 antitrypsin disease, uh, a lot of people with asthma have a mild form of it, and it's treatable because mm-hmm. eventually it can wind up destroying your lungs. Um, the other thing that people worry about, this is, you know, you get into this genetic database, and you've heard about the... Um, police who were using it to find people. Right. So, rapes and murders from 1982, they're finding these people because they left behind trace genetic evidence. Yes. And what they do is they get on 23 and, and not just 23andMe, and they find sixth cousins or fourth cousins. They can do that based on the DNA. Right. And then they, they have these... Um, genealogists who are DNA specialists and they track down further and they get on further databases and they narrow it down to say one of two brothers. Right. And then, you, you know this, they follow them into McDonald's. Yes. And once you throw away your food, mm-hmm. it is now public property. Mm-hmm. So they take their hamburger wrap and they find out it's it's him or her. Mm-hmm. Um the other thing they say is, well, I mean, you know, what if your cousin's a murderer and they can find your cousin through your DNA? Well, yeah, 
Yeah, that might you be know, a good don't thing. You, yeah. uh, if your cousin was a murderer, wouldn't you want him put in jail? My cousin is a murderer, and I would like him to stay in jail. <laughs> I'm just telling you that. Okay, whatever. I mean, well, we talked earlier about Neanderthals. Mm-hmm. That yeah, we, so we that's another thing. A little bit of Neanderthal. They'll tell you how much Neanderthal blood you have. If you've been to one of my family reunions, Uh-oh. you know that I have a colorful group of people in the Alexander yeah. family tree. Well, I am 5% Neanderthal. You are? Yes. And that's a little bit above average. Uh, I got a guy who was 15%. I don't know how much he was. Worked in my office. He sure looked like a Neanderthal. Oh, my Big, gosh. Big, broad shoulders yeah. and muscles everywhere. And then the highbrow. Oh, they can tell if you're going to get a unibrow uh, if you do 23 and me. They can tell whether you're going to whether you, you get bunions. They're going to tell whether you're going to have a bald spot. Uh huh. Your yeah. earlobe tight. I didn't realize all these things were genetic. Well, obviously, they're, everything's genetic. Uh, the unibrow. Oh, the wake up time. Whether you're going to wake up early in the morning or not. <laughs> but um, I, I, they told me that I, I lied and I said I didn't know my my uh, yeah. uh, ethnic background. Right. And so I wanted to see what they came up with. And mm-hmm. not only did they know that I was half Norwegian, okay. they were able to say the town where my we fallen ancestors came from. And then they said that I was half Asian, uh, Chinese, and they were yes. able to say where my mother came from, Shanghai. I mean, I'm not kidding. It was, wow. it blew me away. But the great thing yeah. is they told me I was more Native American than Elizabeth Warren. 1.8% <laughs> okay. Native American. Now, you ask yourself, wait a minute, he, he never hung out, you know, my parents and ancestors never hung out with Native Americans. Turns out, think about it, yeah. where did they come from originally, 15,000, 16,000 years ago? walked across the they Bering Straits. They walked across the Bering yeah. Strait, and they yeah. were Asians. Yeah. So, you know, it. I... I <laughs> I love it, and I had a good time with it. And I, every month, I get a new, um, uh, which excuse me, a, a new uh, notification that there's something new they know about me. Really? Yeah, it's great. Okay, you think it's great? <laughs> to me, it would be a, an annoyance if I'm going to get a unibrow. I'm gonna, I'm gonna know it the old-fashioned. Yeah, way. and you know they're back in style. There's some Italian. <laughs> Um, catwalk is that what that's called? A catwalk where the they do the um, the uh, what's it called? Fashion you know, models? fancy, fancy, schmancy, yeah, um, clothing, and they have unibrows. There. <laughs> they don't shave their unibrow. I don't even know if you get a unibrow transplant. Uh, I I just I, I'm uh, hospital acquired pneumonia. Yeah, and I want to get this out. You know, we have Mason Macon Singletary on the yeah. show yeah, yeah, quite yeah. a bit. <clears throat> and he talks about periodontal disease and health of your mouth. Yeah. There is a nasty thing called hospital-acquired pneumonia. And you can get it on the ventilator, and they, they try to keep that as a different um, uh, thing uh, yeah. because people can get hospital-acquired pneumonia just sitting in a hospital, even right. overnight in a hospital. And there, I mean, I hate to say it, but hospitals are not sterile environments. Right. Um, they try to keep them sterile, but when you have so many different people hanging out in the hospital, you're going to get all sorts of bacteria and viruses. And so hospital-acquired pneumonia can be very dangerous right? because a lot of these organisms are resistant to multiple antibiotics. Right. Then they found out one simple technique to reduce your risk 
of an ammonia caught in the hospital. And that's brush your teeth and keep your mouth healthy while you're there. Yeah. Um, I was in the hospital overnight once, um, and I didn't brush my teeth the whole time. Yeah, that's right. That's and right. so if you're going to go to the hospital, make sure that you get your teeth brushed in the morning, at lunch, and supper. They don't know yet whether these rinses, these antibiotic rinses can help, but they're going to start doing that. They ask, why is that? Well, because you're going to get these bacteria in your mouth, and no matter what, if you're in the hospital, if you're sedated especially, mm-hmm. or if you're lying backwards all the time, you're going to inhale or aspirate uh, the contents of your mouth into your lungs. We do it every day. Yeah, uh, I just did that coughing. I coughed sure. it out. Um, and so I'm, I can't emphasize enough, if you're going to be in the hospital, even for outpatient procedure, right? bring your toothbrush or get uh, the hospital toothbrushes are terrible. Yeah. You ever had a hospital toothbrush? No. It's terrible. And don't substitute that little swab thing. That you, you, Believe it or not, they'll give you one that's not a toothbrush. It is a stick with a um, foam cap. Okay. And you're supposed to just swab your teeth with that. Yeah. No. Brush yeah. your teeth thoroughly. And uh, I use um, an antibacterial mouthwash. I don't, I don't think Macon doesn't like those things. Cause they, but mine doesn't have alcohol. He said the alcohol in it is a bad thing. But anyway, now we know. Keep your mouth clean. I remember when I had my heart surgery that I actually was in bed for a few days. Yeah. And, and I was on oxygen. I yeah. didn't really feel that I could get up and go around. I don't think I washed my hair or, or brushed my teeth. For at least four days. Yeah. And that's bad. Well, apparently it is. I don't know. Bad. So what's a fatty liver and do I have it? Yeah. I don't know. But you should check for it. It's Now they don't like to call it fatty. Non-alcoholic steatohepatosis (laughs) or something like that. NASH. N-A-S-H. Like (laughs) NASH bridges. And um, what do they accomplish um what is it, it, it yeah. your liver basically develops infused through it uh marbled fat yeah. yeah and it can turn into cirrhosis if it's if it gets progressively worse uh sugar it's associated with high intake if if you go the yes yes as opposed to the we fall no no diet right. you have a higher chance of getting this nash fatty liver um and they used to think metformin, which is an anti-diabetic drug, it mm-hmm. helps to prevent the liver from producing its own sugar. Well, that's by the wayside now. A lot of studies don't seem to support that. Right. But um, statins might help. And they don't know exactly why, because a statin prevents the production of cholesterol in the liver. But that's, you know, the only reason, and they're going to study it more, but the only reason why I wanted to bring this up is because the statins are wonderful drugs. Ensure minor, um, that small numbers of individuals can have side effects that some can be serious. I've had one patient, muscle deterioration called rhabdomyolysis. But they're great drugs. And I think that they we're finding, they're, it, like other medications we talk about, they're being repurposed. If you're on a statin, your risk of a serious Crohn's um, exacerbation is lowered. Uh, people on statins they may have a lower risk of Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. So I really want to enforce, don't listen to these people 
who tell you statins are bad for you and statin drugs will kill you. They don't. They need to be given by a professional nurse practitioner or physician or family, um, a, a physician's assistant and monitored. And as long as they're monitored well, um, you're going to do great. Now, you've got to get your blood test. I, I mean, is that something that they follow up with metformin? What do you mean? The, I, I used to get blood draws all the time with my doctor. Oh, okay. And was it yeah. related to the well, metformin? Well, one of the things is metformin, if you have, it's, it's, a, it's excreted from uh-huh. the kidney. Right. So if you have kidney disease, and we're not quite sure how bad it has to be, yeah. metformin can build up. And when that happens, you can get an acidosis, which can be very serious. Uh, I, this is a good point. Okay, yeah. So if you go in and have a heart catheterization, they tell you to stop your metformin before okay. you go in. Yeah. People think it's because there's a reaction between the contrast agent and metformin. That's not true. The reason why we have been told to stop your metformin, especially after the heart catheterization, is because the possibility that the contrast dye will weaken your kidney. Mm-hmm. And then if you're on metformin and your kidney gets weak, you'll get this acidosis risk. Okay. So it's not true that if you have accidentally taken your metformin that morning, yeah. you can still have your heart cath. Just don't take it afterwards. Uh, and the risk of renal impairment from a heart cath is still very, very low. But that's the reason why they tell you not to take it. Okay. Is just because of that reason. And I think that uh, you need to be aware of that so um, you understand why they tell you not to take your metformin for a heart cath. All right. We've got a uh, piece of audio with Dr. Fauci, and I want you to hear it, and I want you to interpret it for me because he almost, I mean, he's coming very close to actually saying something that I really agree with. And it comports with what you've said on the show, but at the same time, it sounds totally... I almost wanted to double-check that it was Dr. Fauci, that I thought it was maybe Mm -hmm. somebody else. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that's coming up next. This is Heart Health Radio. Well, you know you make me want to kick my heels up. Heart Health Radio is on Spotify and also on Apple Podcasts. Yeah. And Dr. Weefold is here, and I want you to listen to Dr. Fauci, Anthony Fauci, who is the highest paid uh, employee of the federal government. He's He's been, you know, he's been in charge of this whole COVID thing, and... He was on the Neil Cavuto show on Fox TV and said this. One of the things that's clear from the data that even though vaccines, because of the high degree of transmissibility of this virus, don't protect overly well, as it were, against infection, they protect quite well against severe disease leading to hospitalization and death. And I believe that's the reason Neil, why at my age, being vaccinated and boosted, even though it didn't protect me against infection, I feel confident that it made a major role in protecting me from progressing to severe disease. And that's very likely why I had a relatively mild course. So my message to people who seem confused because people who are vaccinated get infected, the answer is, 
if you weren't vaccinated, the likelihood you would have more severe course than you did have when you were vaccinated. Is this is this logical to you? Uh, in a sense, yes, but in a sense, no. Um, so what he's trying to say, get the vaccine. It's You're still going to get, if you get exposed, mm-hmm. you're still going to have the same chance of having uh, the, the illness. Mm-hmm. But you're going to have a slightly less chance of getting really, really sick from it, okay. i.e. on a ventilator in intensive care or dying. And I think that's probably true. Um, in fact, I think I know it's true because of the way the studies are done. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the thing is, we're getting new information every day about these boosters. Mm-hmm. And we know now that if you've had the fourth booster, your antibodies are so geared up for alpha, which is the only thing that the vaccines are against. That's the first one we developed, uh, right. the first COVID, that you're more susceptible to getting Omicron, because when Omicron goes in the system, it's harder for your body to develop new Omicron antibodies because you've got so many of the alpha antibody. Okay. So that needs to be told as well. Um, I decided not to get the fourth booster on that basis. Okay. So I've only had three. I was about to get it, Uh, which leads me to um, the new one that's out, the new right. vaccine. And right. it was actually developed two years ago. Novavax, it's just taken them that long to get it approved. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to be a great vaccine. And I think potentially it's going to be a great booster. All the studies have shown so far that if you've had the mRNA vaccine from Pfizer uh, or from Moderna, and then you get a booster of this new one called Novavax, you have super protection, not only from getting Omicron or some yeah. of the variants, yeah. but from getting real sick. Now, it's a protein, not an mRNA. <clears throat> it doesn't have to be converted in your body. You get it, your body recognizes it as a foreign invader, and it designs a monoclonal antibody against that particular protein. And it looks like the combination of the different mon- uh, antibodies in your mm-hmm. system help you against Omicron as well. Okay, so this is the one I'm going to wait for. Yes, the the that's the, what the I'm going to wait Novavax. for. Novavax. Okay. Oh well, if you're now it hasn't been approved. It's it. been approved as an original vaccine. Okay. And has not approved for a booster yet, but I think it will be. Oh, all right. But to Fauci's point, he said essentially, "Tell me if this is accurate scientifically mm-hmm. that." Getting the shot, getting the vaccine could prevent you from getting sicker as opposed to having nothing. Right. Okay. If that's true, why are we still firing people for not getting the vaccine? Because my outcome from either vaccine or no vaccine, that's on me, isn't it? The only thing that they say to fire you is because if you get it um you could give it now what this mean in other words if you get it right i could give it to dave right but it's not going to help you from getting it right 
So <laughs> if it's not going to help you from getting it, you're still going to get it and spread it to someone else. That's exactly right. So what I have, have come to the conclusion after much, much thought yes. is that, yes, it is an individual choice and it should be. Now, yes. I've got a patient who came to see me who's a military man. Yes. And he's got one vaccine mm. and developed atrial fibrillation. Now, he is healthy. He got this really, and he was really sick with it. His heart was racing, and and he had never had a history of any type of uh, electrical problem with right. the heart or anything. And so the military is now insisting he get another dose. Yeah. So he came to me because another cardiologist who wasn't up to date, and there is now direct evidence that the mRNA vaccines can lead to inflammation that leads to AFib. Mm-hmm. So I'm writing up a huge thing for him, and I am definitely, I told him, don't you dare get the second vaccine because right. The, right. the booster, because you could go into AFib. And even <clears throat> with the initial onset of AFib, you are susceptible, especially if you're in a clot type situation. Right. Of having a stroke. So, again, uh, I believe in vaccines. I get them for myself. Right. I'm not worried about the side effects. But someone who has had a reaction and a negative health out- outcome, outcome mm-hmm. from the first vaccine should not be forced to get the next one. And I don't think you should really be forced now, in this day and age, that we're dealing with Omicron, to get any of the vaccines. See, I'm going to get them. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to choose uh, that. Right. I, and I'm lining up for whatever can right. keep me healthy. Right. Now, the side effects from uh, the Novavax are mm. less. There mm. aren't the pericarditis. There aren't the clotting side effects. So I think that if you're considering getting a vaccine and you don't want the mRNA ones, look into this Novavax because I think it's a great addition to our armamentarium. We fired Airplane pilots, right? Nurses, doctors, um, all sorts of people. The only saving grace in this whole thing is that we we didn't fire any talk show hosts because of non, you know, n- non vaccine thing. At least not locally. But we got a lot, got rid of a lot of people who we really need. Right. Fire police. People who just said, no, I'm not going to take and that. And you know what I think and we should do? And they've been fired. I think we should take them back. Okay. I would like to see a law <clears throat> saying anybody fired for not getting the vaccine should be taken back. Okay. To work. Right. Absolutely. Sounds good. Listen, we're going to be back next week, noon on Saturday, every week, right here. Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network.